Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Star Wars universe is constantly expanding. So how the heck are you going to keep tabs on it without a holocron? And where in the rim can I score the juiciest news and rumors? Ah, you seek State of the Empire. Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast that looks for news in Alderaan places. We dig into the Sarlacc pit of the internet for the hottest intel in the galaxy far, far away, make Indiana Jones inquiries, and keep watch for the latest on Willow. Head to nerdyshow.com slash Star Wars. It's the show you're looking for. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Mark with a C. And this episode, we are digging into a cult film, which you'll either know or you're about to discover, the film Shock Treatment, the spiritual sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. At the time, they said it was not a sequel, it was an equal. And those words would come back to haunt the producers for years and years and years to come. Yeah, because, I mean, they're very, very different. But if you're familiar with Rocky Horror, well, Brad and Janet are in this movie. What if they're not familiar with Rocky Horror? Hmm. I mean, not everybody... I mean, you, you probably have heard the words Rocky Horror Picture Show at some point in your life. Yeah. But what if you have not sat down to watch it? What if you just know it's a thing that exists? How would you describe it? Oh, that's interesting. I would say that the Rocky Horror Picture Show is a gothic sex comedy about two symbols of uh, 1950s American naivete who wander into a sexed-up sci-fi castle. And, of course, all delivered in the style that's a parody of 50s B-movie musicals. Yes. That's an important facet. <laughs> That I totally neglected, but is critically important, yes. There's a lot of people walk away going, this movie sucks, and <laughs> they know it sucks. The yeah. producers know. They, they showed up and went, how do we poke fun at something that already knows it sucks? We have to know we suck, but do it with a certain element of quality. Yeah. You know, uh, timber is the asterisk that all humor should come with. This is the difference between why your buddy who makes parodies is completely unknown, but Weird Al is world famous. And with Rocky Horror, as evidenced by their international cult following grown into pop culture ubiquity, they stuck the landing. It is a really pitch-perfect tonal parody of all those things spiced up with a lot more polyamorous, <laughs> gender-bending scenarios than... Um, most movies are comfortable with but you know they didn't stick the landing at first it bombed it yes. bombed hard and it got a midnight run you know people who had paid for the prince just 
started playing it at midnight. They didn't know what else to do with this film. And some people just started showing up over and over. Because back then, ticket prices weren't what they are now. You could pay 50 cents to a buck, maybe two bucks on your worst day, and go see couple movies in a day, right? Yep. That's just what you did for a pastime. It wasn't 12 to $20 just to go see a movie that you might not like. You genuinely didn't know what you were going to get at the cinema. And sometimes you just went because you liked going to the movies. That's a massive thing that people must keep in mind on how this movie was accidentally found. So people that were weirdos, loners, night owls would just end up at this movie called the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Huh, a movie's playing at midnight. Let's go see and they kept coming. They kept coming, no pun intended. And then eventually <laughs> someone started making their own uh, their their own costumes. And at the same time that they were making costumes to mirror those folks on screen, people started yelling callbacks at the screen, much like Mystery Science Theater, but the same ones every time, predicting speech. They'd memorize the scripts and now we're writing a secondary script that was indispensable from the one on the screen. Yeah, there's there's many ways to experience the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And the one that's perhaps most popular or best known in pop culture is like attending a public screening and having like wearing white because you're a virgin if you've never gone before and having all these things happen, which actually I've never done. Because I love the movie and I don't want people fucking talking over it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be in my little movie space. Shut the fuck up. I would say that, oh, you're missing out, Cap. You have to go see that. But I'd also say I've seen it so many times because I've worked with casts and opened so many shows just playing Mark of the Sea shows that I'm, I check out the second I see the lips on the screen. I don't know if it's good or bad anymore. I know it's problematic. For example, every time Janet walks on the screen, the crowd yells slut. And this maybe was funny in the mid-70s, but now you're going, hey, Janet, spoiler alert, sleeps with just as many people as Rocky. Uh, why are we yelling slut at Janet? These, these are problems that are dissected elsewhere, but what used to be kind of liberating and freeing now becomes... Uh, not not so welcoming to the rather, shall we say, woke crowd that would have been coming to see Rocky for years and years and years. Now it's people who are thinking outside the box and going, wait a second, you're kind of putting this back into a box. Mm. I, w I could say that there might be an opportunity to have that be a it's not what you say, it's how you say it sort of spin on that. Because like, you know, maybe it's like encouraging slut because Janet's sexual awakening, in spite of the fact that it's at the hands of a sadistic madman, um, which is, I mean, Dr. Frankenfurter is a very challenging character in general. Uh, but <laughs> the, you know, like it's, it's a positive thing that she has this awakening, except that it's tied in with all this murder and mayhem. Yeah, it's arguably the most positive thing that happens on the screen all night. And nobody <laughs> on screen is necessarily making fun of her or shaming her for it. It's the audience that's yeah. doing it. So I'm on board with you, but it's definitely an argument that's going to be had for many, many, many years to come as long as the Rocky Horror Picture Show continues to be profitable. Yeah, and it sure will somehow. <laughs> they, th this is the movie that will not die. It came out in 1975, but it didn't reach home video until around 1989 or 1990. And when it did, it cost $99 to purchase because even after 15 years of people coming to see this film 
every week, dressed up as the characters, making these costumes at home. 20th Century Fox still had precisely no faith in this movie. I did not know that. Wow, that's baffling. <laughs> that's, that is a fucked up video price right there. Even more baffling is the fact that when you went to find it at the video store, because it was so cost prohibitive, you were more likely to find the sequel to this film that was so well hidden that not only did most people not know it existed at the time, but to this day, I will mention Shock Treatment, the follow-up to Rocky Horror Picture Show, and people will look at me as if they are a dog and I have just shown them a card trick. <laughs> I was, I mean... When I found out about this film, which I think was, I think it was just like, it was, must have been early college. I was shocked. I was, you, I, I was like, how could such a thing exist? And no one would have mentioned it, told me about it. It never came up in casual conversation. And it was like, it was a ghost at the time. It, it didn't uh, exist on home video or, or I mean, it, it did, but it was out of, long out of print. Yes. And then eventually the DVD came out and I finally got to see it and... It is a funky, crazy film that anyone who loves weird cinema has to check out. Most notably, it is a precursor to reality television. It's by a weird series of circumstances, the script shifted in a way that created a scenario that almost perfectly encapsulates the experience of reality television, of putting real people in doctored scenarios being filmed on TV and having it, you know, progressively ruin their lives. It didn't begin that way. No, initially it, didn't. it was going to be something called Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, and then it became the Brad and Janet Show. And after a series of unfortunate events for Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman, uh, Richard O'Brien is who uh, writes all the music and plays some characters in it, and, uh, and Jim comes Sharman's up, the director. Jim Sharman's the director. BTW. Things like a Screen Actors Guild strike. <laughs> he wanted the cast back from Rocky, but some of them said yes and then said no afterwards. Some of them had become huge stars like Susan Sarandon and he simply couldn't afford them. They whittled away at the script over about a weekend and came up with, you know what, if we just had one set to contend with, just one set, this would be so much easier. So they modified characters into becoming others and you ended up with what he has in recent years called an abortion. This is not my words. This is Richard O'Brien's description of shock treatment. It is an abortion. For those that love it, and believe it or not, there are those who love it, myself included, it is possibly the most important musical of our time, barring Hamilton. And I've never heard or seen Hamilton. I just hear people talk about it. Or it would be maybe the most important musical of our time uh, prior to Hamilton. That's a good way to say it. Um, unfortunately, not many people people have seen it because it's Rocky's dirty little secret. People have tried to keep this under wraps for years, but that small cult following won't let it die. No, because when you see it, you can't forget it. It's kind of like idiocracy. It becomes a, a point of conversation. It's always there in the back of your mind, in large part because of the... It's about America. It's kind of like, like Richard O'Brien being a British dude's uh, take on... America in the late 70s, early 80s, and distilling it into this this thing, this weird pastiche that ends up being more true to where we went than where we were. Absolutely. It was just too far ahead of its time. 
Now, some of the gripes that people had with shock treatment at the time were, okay, so I went to go see the sequel to the film about the transsexuals on drugs with the science fiction, and you took all that away. So, now there are a little bit of drugs, not a ton of sex, almost all the hallmarks of what made Rocky Horror Picture Show so liberating for so many were completely gone in this film. But interestingly, they were replaced with arguably better songs. Um, more consistent color schemes. The film had a genuine feel that didn't take, take, take. Get that, Rocky uh, quote. <laughs> it didn't take from a variety of sources. This one provided a script for where we ourselves were heading. But at the time, there was no reference point, and people constantly said, I have no idea what this film is about. I heard it for years while I felt like much like all the other Shock Treatment fans, that I was the only one holding the torch for the movie. Have you ever heard of a movie called... This is a complete tangent. There's a movie called Americathon. No, but that sounds great already. I've, I've never seen it. I've only seen... I saw the vinyl soundtrack to it and then looked it up. And I last I checked, it was quite out of print. And I'd have to jump through a lot of hoops to see the damn thing. What it is, is it's... It's a, I believe, later 80s comedy about America's gone uh, bankrupt and the president lives in a condominium and he has to put on a telethon to uh, to help finance America or it's going to get bought by the Russians. Oh, so UHF, but with much higher stakes. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, if you like shock treatment, I have a hunch you may also like Americathon. I don't know. And if you find a copy of it, let me know. I say if you like shock treatment, just turn on the television. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot of shock treatment, because I realize we've kind of danced around it. It's Brad and Janet get stuck in a massive reality show. Their town of Denton, Texas, USA, has been absorbed into a... I, and I didn't realize this upon first watching it, but upon reading about it, it's kind of a little bit more apparent. Like the entire town has been absorbed into a reality show studio. Yes. Now, I'm not sure where they came from prior because there's an early opening scene. And by the way, the first scene is amazing. It is a long one shot and they show the audience being let in and rushing to get good seats. Yeah. But I'm not that. sure where they came from and all decided we're going to go here. And then you see the studio audience sleeping there in the studio. They never go back home. You never see mealtime for them. They're just married to what is happening in that studio it's really bizarre and there's a moment where brad and janet are picked to be on a game show and as soon as they're yanked out of their chairs they make a point of showing you that there's not even 10 seconds between new butts filling those chairs yeah and i mean even if it's a metaphor it doesn't matter because it's it's weird and cool and uh the you mentioned the colors and the art direction a little bit earlier and it is in, on point in shock treatment. In fact, all the they, they they wanted to film on location in Denton, Texas. That was their goal, and they couldn't because the actor strike really screwed things up. Not just for who they could cast and and budgeting and all that, but but they actually like filming on location was something that restrictive wise they couldn't do. So they filmed this movie about America on a bunch of sound stages in the UK. But. I and I hopefully I've, I'm getting this right. I'm remembering a documentary I watched about ten years ago. Um, but they went to thrift stores in Texas and acquired all of the clothing. 
Ah, uh, yes, Sue Blaine. Yes, is the uh, the party that would have done that. And Sue Blaine, of course, was the person, the the costume mistress for Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment, and a lot of what's so iconic that imagery is Sue Blaine. It's not. Uh, maybe Richard O'Brien might have made a sketch here and there to say, here, here's what I want, but Sue Blaine is the person that made it come to life. And the that aspect of it, the the visual aspect of it that hinges on on that, like the, the wardrobe and so on, is actually a thing that really tickles my fancy because it kind of feels like it's cut from the same cloth as uh, my favorite movie of all time, the Talking Heads, David Byrne film, True Stories, because it's got this weird m- 1980s middle America Texan uh aesthetic that's like america seen in this oversaturated lens i can completely see that i've never made the connection till right now but yeah it's almost like they're they're cousins those films yeah and a really you would never suspect it based on reading synopses but it's all there Uh uh-oh i smell conspiracy (laughs) and i'm I'm some puzzling evidence mark (laughs) (laughs) wow well this conversation's on the road to nowhere wrong wrong album but <laughs> so, uh why are we talking about shock treatment right now? Oh my god, we totally miffed the opportunity to explain this episode. <laughs> we got too excited about the content. I didn't want someone walking in blind going, "Okay, so we're going to talk about what Mark's doing. I want to know more about these movies." <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I I purposefully led you astray. Yeah, that's that's I take fair. the blame. Hopefully, hopefully no, you're enjoying Sue's this the blame. <laughs> hopefully you're enjoying this journey so far. Let's take you somewhere similar but different. So, Mark, you're a fan of this film, and a ways back, you recorded most of the music to this film. You covered the songs. I did. It was, uh, when I first saw Shock Treatment, I, like many others, was not having, let's say, my quota of what I hoped it would be fulfilled. And I wasn't ready to let it be its own thing, and I hated it. I thought it was god-awful. The first uh, viewing, I thought it was terrible. Now, to be fair, I thought the same thing about Rocky. But I also went, so many people see such good things in this, I'm going to stick with it. I did the same thing with shock treatment because, well, when you rented stuff, sometimes you had it for the weekend. And (laughs) I'm like, well, this is the thing I paid for. So I watched it a few more times, and I still didn't totally get it, but I came around to it, and I really loved the music. Right off the bat, just loved the music. Eventually, I was at a Blockbuster and they were selling their VHS copy for like a buck. And it was on Key Home Video. And this thing had definitely seen some shit. Okay, this <laughs> this VHS, I've still got it. It came to Rich Weirdo's cast uh, Christmas parties where we'd try to watch it. And it would invariably have fucked up tracking. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> this was before the DVD. Uh, sometimes I was the only guy in town that had a copy. So I would get the call like, hey, Mark, bring over shock treatment. I had such a kinship to the movie and I would watch it during really dark times in my life because often when you watch a movie that you feel that you have a kinship with but other people misunderstand it can sort of make you feel like Omega Man you sort of feel like the last person on earth so these are the things you reach for on lonely nights the things that only you connect to for me those are Star Wars Holiday Special or Shock Treatment I had never met another fan in my life so on sad nights That was always the thing in the player. It stood to reason that when I was fighting some depressive bouts early on, as Mark with a C, around 1999 to 2005, when I was just recording things on a broken four-track to make myself feel better, to give myself something to do rather than dwell, 
I went right to shock treatment songs and would record them. Occasionally, I'd throw them in one or two at best per night because nobody really recognized them. I'd throw them into my sets, and it was actually Jeff Nolan, who's a local bartender. Now, I know outside of Florida that may not mean much to you, but he's basically the face of the company Hard Rock now, and he's the cat that goes around the world searching out the memorabilia, runs their podcast. He's quite the... the uh, Cheapers, okay. Yeah. He, he's come a long way. And he was like, Mark, you've been saying you're going to cover the soundtrack to Shock Treatment for years and years and years. Either do it or shut the hell up about it. Just And I went, well, it's already recorded. And he's like, yeah, prove it. So I kind of dumped him online. They were initially being brushed up around 2003 to give to the label that was going to put out Bubblegum Romance, and they heard him and rejected it. They didn't think they were up to snuff. They also felt, who's going to get this? And I've always felt the right people will get it. I don't have time for the others that don't. Around 2003, 2004, I put them on my website, and a person that kept the shock treatment flame alive named Donnie, who runs the Shock Treatment Network, found them, fell in love with them, and synced my very slow, very slow, achingly slow covers of Shock Treatment, which is mostly upbeat, peppy, kind of new wave-sounding music. He synced them to the videos, and it made a lot of sense, and some people loved it, some people hated it, but the people that loved it they took to it and became Mark with a C fans. And for some, that's the only thing I've ever done that they've liked. And every <laughs> year it's, Mark, when are you putting those shock treatment songs out on vinyl? I haven't recorded a single shock treatment song since 2005. Every couple of months when I was down, I would add another one. And you can hear that in the songs as I would learn to play another instrument. Well, there'd be another instrument available on one of the songs. So by the time of Farley's song, I'd figured out a little keyboard and I could play bass and there was guitar effects for the first time where the first couple of songs like Denton USA and Bitchin' in the Kitchen, they're just voice, guitar, badly mic'd. You can hear my progression through these tunes. Yeah, now your, your aesthetic as a musician back then especially was retro lo-fi and these songs, the early ones especially, are extremely lo-fi. It doesn't get more lo-fi than these songs in my, I think, my entire canon. But that's also the the emotions that I associated with the songs. They were just raw nerves. And these people who are singing songs at almost any given point are at their wit's end. Janet is especially desperate for love because Brad is unable to give her the adoration that she's come to need. She's also not able to give Brad what he needs, which is kind of a mommy figure. They <laughs> sing the bulk of the tunes. Everyone else is at some kind of crossroads in their life. But the only person who doesn't seem to be at a crossroads is our Donald Trump Jr. doppelganger, Farley Flavors, a fast food tycoon who has basically bought up most of Denton. But he might find his own crossroads. I don't want to spoil the end of the film for you, of course. <laughs> This is probably a good opportunity to give folks a taste of what exactly you created. So right now, we're going to play Shock Treatment, the title track. This was played on a 12-string guitar. It was the only guitar around at the time, and I did not know how to play a 12-string guitar. There's a, a couple of little differences. So I had to learn how to play a solo, and I'm not much of a lead player. Even to this day, I have to really, really concentrate to do them, and this is why I often leave out solos in concerts. So everything you hear was on a guitar that I was not used to playing and still am not that adept at. I'm not a local mood to suit you myself. 
I've been a cynic for too many years Playing doctor and nurse can be good for your health I've seen clinics with those mimics in Tangier But if you open your heart to a smooth operator He'll take you There you have it, a little taste of the Mark with the C shock treatment project. So where is that now? I mean, people wanted it out on vinyl. Well, it's coming. By the time you hear this, there will be a pre-order open where you're basically buying it in sort of a Kickstarter Indiegogo fashion. Now, it's going to happen anyways because I've paid for the rights to do this. And that was, let me tell you, a little bit difficult. But I learned some interesting things, which I'll talk about in just a few moments. The reason that we thought to do it on vinyl now is because when the film first hit DVD around 2007, 2006, someone in the chain had contacted me about possibly using some of my lo-fi recordings as bonus features or menu music. Which is, I mean, that's incredible right off the bat because you recorded these things in your bedroom for maybe fun. Was it fun or just catharsis? (laughs) Um, And they got internet famous in a cult 
following and then someone's knocking your door and being like hi i represent the uh uh the motion picture uh behind the cult following um uh can we play your your songs on our dvd i mean what was what was that like it was like having my heart ripped out of my chest when I bought the DVD like everybody else and didn't hear them. I couldn't find it. Oh, so it, you thought they were going to be there. And just, yeah. Oh, I wow. didn't know basically until it came out that it wouldn't be. But I also didn't have a confirmation of any sort. So <laughs> I couldn't go on a parade going, as heard on the shock treatment DVD. Like it, I couldn't put it on the resume. And thank gosh I didn't. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, fast forward to today. Uh a studio named Arrow Video has leased the rights. They've acquired the rights to put Shock Treatment on Blu-ray. Now, this is really good because Shock Treatment has never actually been properly captured on home video. The VHS rendition actually goes out of sync just a little bit in the beginning um, due to, you know, you used to start the sound and picture at a different time. And in the transfer, there was a warble in the overture that plays underneath the long one shot that opens the film, which has an amazing, amazing costume change by Cliff D. Young. Um, Once you know what that means and you know to look for it, you're going to go, how did I never notice that before? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So that film, that version of the film went a little bit out of sync. The DVD that exists now has Denton USA, the first real song with vocals. It has a couple of sound dropouts. So we're hoping this is the time that they get it right. They have the literally the complete picture. The cropping's a little off on the DVD. But ultimately, we're lucky to have anything because the studio has tried to bury it and Richard O'Brien really can't be bothered. And who can blame Richard O'Brien? They sat down to make something, had it revised to the point where they couldn't even recognize it, and then were told, you have failed by the people who saved his career in the first place, the Rocky Horror fans. Yeah. I was contacted about having some of my songs on the Blu-ray as bonus features. This happened while I was in Canada working on my next record of original material, and I'm in the studio with Jordan Zadarozny, and they had me do sort of a a non-disclosure agreement at the time until a certain date. So I couldn't tell the producer why I needed to take this call, for example. (laughs) Like, I legally can't tell you right now. Well, that date passed, and I went and looked at the Shock Treatment Network's page. They listed all the bonus features. Like, guess what? You're going to have bonus recordings of Mark with a C doing... Dual Duet, and Shock Treatment. And I went, it's official! It's gonna happen! So I merely shared that. And about 10 hours later, after the internet exploded, it went, 
oh my gosh, Mark's ship has come in. They went, hey, by the way, we don't know really what bonus features are going to make it and which ones aren't. And <laughs> I don't know why that Who does that a press happened. release like that? <laughs> that's, that's absurd. I had already started the wheels in motion to finally acquire the rights because of, well, one, it had to happen so that the songs could be on the Blu-ray at all. Right. But also to put it on vinyl, I thought it'd be a really neat tie-in. It's not something that I would have done as a vanity press because I don't always want to hear this record. And I don't think it's terribly representative of a mark with a C. And if you go see one of my shows and you just pick something that looks cool off the merch table, you're going to go, this is nothing like what I saw. There is no point in time where I ever sound like that record, nor have I ever really sounded like that record on stage. Even when I play these songs live, they're a little bit faster, a little bit more cheerful. So I wasn't rushing to put it out, but... It definitely is a part of my history, and I wanted to fulfill that for some fans. So we're going to do 250 copies of it, and that's it. Um, that Catherine, who does most of the art for pretty much everything I've released post-popular music, the album that Cap did the art for in 2012, uh, Catherine has been the face of it. She's, she's made it really eye-popping, and I've got to tell you, this art, uh, while we'll say not an expansive package... She hit the nail on the head with representing the feelings of shock treatment and the color schemes without actually borrowing anything from the movie itself. You will see it and go, I know what you're doing. Wow, you barely skirted fair use. That's amazing. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really good move. She did a lot with very little. And very little time. We had such a small window between when they made the announcement and me needing to start the pre-order to raise the money to put this on vinyl because it's not something that I could have just sunk money into. It's only existing based on fans wanting it. She uh, came up with all of the art in two days. She did this in two whole days. And I, I'm not convinced that she didn't do it ahead of time when I told her it was a possibility. <laughs> and then she'd been secretly working on it. But she says, if anybody asks, I didn't do this in two days. I definitely did not do this in two days. So um, <laughs> I, I think uh, we can see through that Catherine's clever ruse. And <laughs> I'm here to break the story. But there is fan demand because... Uh, just last night, it was the first night that I announced it. It had already gone to number one on Bandcamp's indie pop vinyl charts. Yeah, so I don't know if you listening man. know this about Mark with a C, but uh, you have the uncanny ability to absolutely decimate the vinyl charts on Bandcamp whenever something comes out, which is a pretty cool special ability. It's ludicrous. <laughs> it it happens in such a short window, and then the records uh, they'll sell relatively steadily, but. It shows that the small, you can't even call it modest, it's a small following. They are somewhat rabid, and I've had to accept that because I have the self-esteem of like a, a gnat on downers. I'm just, I, I <laughs> do not have any faith in myself. And every time I see the numbers come in and new addresses of people who I don't know how they heard about me and they just want it on vinyl. Whatever the project happens to be makes me feel like th there is someone listening. I'm not shouting into the void and that's pretty welcoming and, uh, you know, heartwarming, but shock treatment being this successful because it is so specific. You cannot get more specific and nerdy than this record playing songs from your favorite soundtrack in your bedroom while you're depressed on broken equipment 
and putting it on a format that's less that let's face it for the average person average person i'm talking the person that likes what i got by sublime and goes drinking <laughs> with the boys and you know sings what i got at karaoke and it's one of the three cd's in their car they are not playing vinyl this is such a specific thing i am doing and it somehow went to number 1 it's floored me and oh my gosh do i hope that continues because otherwise i can't pay for the pressing but hey limited run only 250 of these so that's it. Act now. There will be links on this episode's page. Hey, speaking of nerdy nuance thing, you want to hear the, the weird shock treatment thing I did? I want I want to hear that, yeah. <laughs> now, if you're a longtime nerdy show listener, you've heard this, but I don't know if you caught it because there's a lot of distortion involved. Last year, we did two specials called Nerdcasting the Multiverse where we tuned into different stations throughout the, well, the multiverse. And in our Thanksgiving special, I had two radio ads set in Denton, Texas. And he, he, here's here's one of them. Head on down to Read 'em and Sweep, Denton's premier book emporium and broom outlet, where you'll find classics like A Broom with a View and One Swept Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Feeling sweepy? This weekend only, buy two Libman push brooms, get a book of bedtime stories free. Selection may vary. That's Read 'em and Sweep, where you'll get swept up in our huge selection and low prices. Located just minutes away from exit 98 off I-35. Yeah, uh, you know, Denton, Texas could have picked anywhere, but for some reason, when I came up with that little weird little series of puns, I was like, yep, this is going smack dab in middle America and nothing says that like Denton, Texas. I believe it's only like three exits away from Spatula City. I hope so. (laughs) (sighs) I did actually look up the highway systems in in actual Denton, Texas to make sure that that made sense. That is incredibly nerdy, (laughs) and this is why we're friends. (laughs) Denton, of course, is a running thread through Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment because, well, they never really mention all that much about Denton's history, but in one of the very first segments of Rocky Horror Picture Show, there's a couple getting married, Ralph and Betty Hapshat, and there's a sign, a billboard, the home of happiness, Denton, in the middle of a cemetery. For no good reason, billboard, advertising uh, no happiness. No good reason other than that it's a brilliant film. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that this carries over because Ralph Hapshat is the only character from Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's in Rocky Horror Picture Show for like less than a minute probably. He's the only character that crossed over into shock treatment and kept the role. That's it. Now, some argue that uh, Charles Gray, who played the criminologist and plays Judge Oliver Wright in shock treatment, since the criminologist is never actually said by name that he could very, very well be a judge, that that might be a carryover, but that's fan obsession. Yeah, uh, obsessing. It's, it's, that's nobody it's reaching. Knows. So Brad and Janet are played by different actors and actresses. And I happen to think they did a fantastic job because Brad had been a bit emasculated. That's what Richard O'Brien is trying to serve you. And he said as much in interviews that surrounded the release of the film during the promotion, where he was also talking about women's liberation, women's emancipation. And that was definitely present in Janet. To do so... Janet, who was kind of sing-songy and cutesy in the first film, she was going to need a huskier voice. Jessica Harper was perfect for the role. Cliff DeYoung had a much wider range than Barry Bostwick, who just seemed a little bit clueless. 
Clifty Young could play a desperate, wishy-washy Brad, but he can also play another role in the film so fantastically that the first couple times I watched it, I didn't know he was playing those two roles. I had no idea. I found it out years later. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not the kind of cat that watches the movie and goes, who played that role? I don't. I, it has to seep in through a incessant fandom. Speaking of incessant fandom, there is a third Rocky Horror Universe film, hypothetically. I believe it's been denied in the past by Richard O'Brien that such a thing exists. Yes, it's called Revenge of the Old Queen. How this works is there was a script and it got caught in developmental hell. That's pretty much what we know concretely about it. And considering the failure of the first two films, uh, commercially speaking, it's shocking that that ever got that far along. Revenge of the Old Queen at the same time, would have supplanted shock treatment completely. It did not pick up with Brad and Janet as we saw them in shock treatment and the end of it. This definitely picks up a little bit after Rocky Horror and pretends that shock treatment never existed. Mm. So it would have been a bit like Psycho 3 in in that way and would have disappointed five people. (laughs) But those five people would have been very, very, very upset. Sort of like uh, the recent Texas Chainsaw reboot completely undid Texas Chainsaw 2. They could not... It's basically an alternate universe way to go. But this one would have been much more in the style of Rocky Horror Picture Show. A little bit more fan service. And more or less, the old queen is Frank's mom. And she wants to know why her boy hasn't come home. Uh, Brad is a bottomless go-go dancer and his brother's a cop and he's looking for Brad. And I know all of this because there is a script online. It's pretty easy to find. Be careful which links you click because some of them are very outdated and might lead you to things that will infect whatever you use to click on it. But there are scripts available. And for years, Richard O'Brien said, nope, that's bunk, that's a fan thing, no scripts, that didn't happen, nope, uh uh-uh, not I, said the cat. Interestingly, in the scripts were some song titles, and there were some lyrics. Well, while I was trying to pay the money to the right societies for my shock treatment covers to get them on vinyl to say, this is how many I'm going to make, please pay the right person... Well, I had to get kind of creative in the way that I did it because clearly somebody had entered the licensing information wrong. Now, my money is still going to the right place, and I have real, official, legal licenses. But I ended up having to search just for anything written by Richard O'Brien. And what do you know? I found that not only are these songs copywritten and published, but you, yes you, dear listener, right now could lease songs like Never... Let Your Daughter Date an Alien, and The Moon-Drenched Shores of Transylvania. These songs that for years Richard O'Brien said they never existed. So at some point, this got far enough along that a demo and a recording and sheet music and lyrics, they're copywritten, they are there. This leads us to... Richard O'Brien has softened their stance on the future of this film. Mostly saying it's not going to happen due to the characters aging. Now, we all know that that doesn't really matter because he replaced Brad and Janet in shock treatment. He's also started saying, yes, it's real. Okay, look, 
Fine, it's real. You got me. Not in so many words. But technically, you, dear listener, could go and get that script. And then you could license those songs. And you could request copies of the information. You could make Revenge of the Old Queen. Anybody could make and license Revenge of the Old Queen. It doesn't have to be Richard O'Brien that does it. You just need the money and the dedication, and uh, it's within your grasp. It's cheaper than you think to get a hold of those songs. Well, considering that they have, like, as far as anyone's concerned, they don't exist, I couldn't imagine they'd be too expensive. It would cost you, based on what I saw, less than less than $300 to do on a... Let's say it's just you and a digital camera and you want to make this thing in your living room like a fan movie. You probably would never break $1,000 to do it if you did it in a fan service way without licensing the actual title and getting the rights from Richard O'Brien to do the entire teleplay. If you just made it in your living room but you wanted to make sure you weren't running off with the songs, you could because there's enough of Richard O'Brien on record saying, nah, that script is bunk that... Technically, you don't know that you're not just doing a fan script. Which, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's an interesting little hypothetical, and I certainly hope someone takes you up on that uh, that hypothetical. I want to see it. That'd be interesting. That'd be really cool. The script is fascinating. I paid heavy attention to the first third of it, and then in the second third, I went, okay, this needs a little bit more imagination than I initially gave it, and I skimmed it. And then I got to the last third and went, oh, I should have paid more attention in the second third, and then didn't know where I was. But I can say that it's definitely closer to the heart of what people love about Rocky Horror than anything that has existed since, and that includes Fox's reboot. Another interesting thing that has turned up about this is a a demo of the moon-drenched shores of Transylvania leaked to the public. Yeah, this is supposed to be playing on a, as far as I understand, a car radio in the film. It's going to be the first song you would have heard and I want to say it was the radio of Brad's brother, the cop. Don't quote me on that because I'm not looking at the script, but that is my understanding. And, and where, where exactly did this leak come from? About 10 years ago, a Rocky Horror podcast got a hold of it. And then I think it just sort of went by the wayside and so few people knew about it that nobody paid it, no, never mind but based on what I found with the licensing, I can absolutely verify this is the real deal. So we're going to play a little bit of this thing. and We value not getting sued. Yeah, that would be good. It would be a good thing to not have that happen. Um, But it's also a very interesting thing for you to listen to, and we'd be remiss if we didn't at least direct you towards that. So here we go. The Moondrenched Shores of Transylvania. The Demo. Yeah. 
so that takes us to now. Now, I believe you can you can pre-order the, the Blu-ray that you may or may not be on, right, Mark? That's correct. Arrow Video, and they have done their homework in making this a hard, hard link to uncover. There's lots of places that reported about it, but few direct links to purchase it. And this is a UK company, so you're going to have to import that sucker over here oh, and boy. hope that your regions are okay and all that all that jazz. Yeah, do some do some research to make sure your machine can play it. But I will say that I've seen the art, and it is finally something worthy of shock treatment. It is not just a thrown-together piece of crud. It's bright. It's gaudy. You can get a couple different covers with different characters on the front, but there's also cards where you can sort of mismatch the top and bottom of caricatures of the characters from the film. It's definitely for the hardcore fans, but you're gonna get your money's worth if you pay for it. Even if I'm not on it, don't let me. <laughs> do not let me be the reason that you are buying this. If you are well, listening, because if you're you, the reason that they're buying it, then you can just they can just buy the damn vinyl. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't buy it and go, Mark. You lied to me because right now I I'm not playing coy. I have seriously told you everything I know about this. I already pre-ordered it before they talked to me about it because I'm just a fan. Now I realize I could have hit him up for a bunch of free copies. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> so we'll have links to where you can get all these things if you're looking to spend some money on some cool, funky, weird merchandise and memorabilia surrounding a film that most people haven't ever heard of or acknowledge that it exists. And it's such a shame because for as much mystery that surrounds this film, for as much I don't get it that surrounds this film, it is one of the most shockingly direct musicals. I believe now, knowing what I know about pop culture and the direction we've gone in, that you would be better off watching this film not having ever seen Rocky Horror and just accepting that this is a musical about a couple named Brad and Janet. You would enjoy it just fine, and you'd probably have an easier time getting it than Rocky Horror. Yeah, I mean, the first the first time I watched it, there was a point in the middle of it where I was like, I think... Okay, I need to stop looking for connections because I'm pretty sure this doesn't connect at all. That's its one fault, that it's related to Rocky Horror in any sense because you're always going to be looking for things that connect it to the film. Yeah. You let it stand alone and it shines as like the best cult movies do. It's in my top three favorite films of all time. This is not just something that I went, oh, I liked it fine, but the um, fans that kept a... Uh, my recordings alive made me appreciate it more. I mean, every time I watch the movie, I'm not only not sick of it, but I find more and more and more every single time. So definitely do check out Shock Treatment one way or another. In fact, I believe you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Some Kind Soul uploaded it, and that was current as of last night when I was going, I was looking for a documentary made to promote it called The Rocky Horror Treatment. And a full copy of Shock Treatment was there. And I went, oh, is that is that real? Is that just someone trying to troll for money and clicks and viruses? And no, it appeared to be the, the real deal. So maybe that'll still be there. Maybe it won't. We'll, we'll link to it regardless. And maybe that link will be dead someday. But hopefully it will just be easy enough for you to get Shock Treatment. Maybe you'll hate it so much that you say, no, there needs to be a better sequel, and you yourself will shoot Revenge of the Old Queen. Please send us that link. <laughs> yeah, we would love to receive that link. <laughs> um, and before we go, we have to thank you for listening to this show and perhaps listening for, to all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network. We are entirely listener-supported, 
and your donations on Patreon allow us to continue to exist and do our regular programming where we talk about all the latest pop culture that's been going on, like what's going to happen next week on this program, or the in-between weeks where we do whatever the hell we want, including but not limited to Mark and I (laughs) hanging out. So... The real show begins (laughs) when these microphones are shut off. (laughs) So, thank you. Go to patreon.com slash nerdy show to get in on the fun. Even a dollar does make a world of difference. That's only $12 a year to pay for quality content on not just this show, but all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network. And I would be remiss if I didn't also point you in the direction of Mark with a C's Patreon. That's right. I've got one myself, and it's patreon.com slash Mark with a C. That's M-A-R-C-W-I-T-H-A-C. You're not just throwing money away. You're getting cool stuff in return, like exclusive recordings, unreleased songs. You can get a monthly live stream where I'll play your requests hopefully by the recording act Mark with a C. And, heck, if you're a high roller, you can even get a song written by me about absolutely anything that you want. There is a lot of cool stuff there. Plus, The Real Congregation, that show that used to exist here on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network, it's still alive for only $2 a month at patreon.com slash Mark with a C. That's $24 a month. It's double what you pay for Nerdy Show. Let's be fair. But <laughs> it's still, it's it's like brunch. It's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch. But it comes with a slice of cantaloupe at the end. You get a good meal. Yes. Yes, you do. Name um, that reference and we're buddies. <laughs> And I might add, we also have a bunch of perks on the Nerdy Show Patreon as well. But you can go to nerdyshow.com slash support and see all the ways that you can contribute to the show, including one-time donations and ways that don't involve money at all, like rating and reviewing us on iTunes, which makes a world of difference because that is still the medium by which most people discover podcasts. But I also want to point you in the direction of Podchaser, a new podcast discovery platform currently in beta, and we hope it's going to become the podcast discovery platform because it has a leg up on itunes by a lot i mean you can rate and review not just series but specific episodes like if you think this episode of nerdy show is great and should be highlighted and it should like be at the top of the podcast charts then you can go in and you can give this individual episode a five-star rating or a review you can do that for all our stuff and that'll actually go toward populating like a greatest hits list the best our best episodes will always be there best foot forward because you decided they're the best. What a time to be alive. It's like moon pies everywhere for every meal. <laughs> you can go to podchaser.com and you'll find, oh no, I can't sign in. This thing's in closed beta. And then I'll direct you to nerdyshow.com slash podchaser where we have a handy dandy website showing you that, oh, we have some beta codes for you, my friend. That's nerdy or nerdy show. And here's how to use it. So... Uh, nerdyshow.com slash podchaser for all the reference on using this new platform and getting into the ground level of what we think is going to be the future of podcast discovery. Truly, we live in the future. So, since we're in the future, let's now go to the past and go to the darkest place in the shock treatment uh, repertoire of Mark with a C. This song's pretty jovial in the movie. Well, not jovial, but it's definitely more upbeat than what you're going to hear. It's sung by a brother to a twin brother that they've just discovered in a heated argument. I sang it from one voice to one person very slowly. Here is Dual Duet by Mark with a C from Shock Treatment Interpretations. You're a loser 
an abomination in the eyes of any sensitive man and you're a blind alley cruiser always heading down a losing street dreaming that you're screaming at fate you're a dead in dead Nowhere missed her with a kiss Like a Mississippi alligator sister I've took as much of you As any man can You lost your heart You lost your cause You lost your baby When you lost your balls You've lost your mind You've lost your grips So say bye-bye we lost our mom, we lost our dad And if I'm losing you, well, that's too bad Well the best thing you could ever do is die You're a failure A malformation in the guise of many And also rain you're a weeper and a waver Always treading on the toes of the great Just spreading your weight You're a spiteful, hateful, asinine creature A pupil with no scruples Who knew better than the teacher I've took as much of you as any man can You've lost your heart you lost your cause You've lost your baby When you lost your balls You lost your mind When you lost your grip So say bye bye We lost our home Our family You've lost compassion Now you're losing me best thing you could ever do is die The best thing you could ever do is die The best thing you could ever do is die Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.